You know why I'm so passionate about Music to Code By? Because it works. I'm still getting a steady stream of success stories from developers just like you who sail effortlessly through hours of coding. There's only one problem. They can't get enough. Well, not only are we up to track 13, but you can download them all in one shot for a new low price. The collection was 54 bucks just a little while ago, still only a little more than four bucks a track, but now you can get all 13 for only 39 bucks. That's only three bucks a track. Yeah, that's more like it. 325 minutes of pure bliss. Go get it now at collection.musictocodeby.net. Net Rocks, episode 1375, with guest Scott Nimrod. Recorded Friday, October 14th, 2016. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. We're here with uh, Scott Nimrod today. We're going to be uh, talking about mobile development using F-sharp. Should be a great show. Uh, buddy. Dude. It, it got cold all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> we got a, I got frost on the car briefly, and then uh, the remains of a typhoon have blowing in this weekend, so it's raining. That's all that's happening here. It's just raining. Well, you know, we're recording this October 14th, and it's coming out November 16th, so it's more than a month beforehand, um, and and it's still cold. October, yep. cold. Winter. Winter uh, arrives. I've been in denial, as I usually am every time this year, still wearing my shorts out on the back porch, yep. you know, trying to have fires at night and stuff, and... Just wondering when that's going to come to an end, and I You're hope it doesn't. Clinging to summer, my friend. Just, clinging. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad because down here in Miami Beach, man, this woman walking around. Hey, in nobody G-Strings. asked you. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> asked you. <laughs> Floridians, you're all going to be underwater soon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's start this show. Better know framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, man. What do you got? Uh, you heard of guess? Yeah, I know. You heard of yarn? Yarn, yes. The yarn. stuff you make clothing out of. Yeah, but I'm talking about yarn. Yarnpkg.com, or since this is 1375, go to 1375.pwop.me. This is, uh, and I'm just going to read the website here. This is fast, reliable, and secure dependency management. Hmm. Yarn caches every package it downloads, so it never needs to again. It also parallelizes operations to maximize resource utilization, so install times are faster than ever. Yarn uses checksums to verify the integrity of every installed package before its code is executed. And using a detailed but concise lock file format and a deterministic algorithm for installs, Yarn is able to guarantee that an install that worked on one system will work exactly the same way on another system. It's called dependency management. Wow. I haven't used it, but it is trending, and a bunch of people like it. That's cool. Yeah. Ladies and greatest. Scott, have you used it? No, but I did read an article on it a couple of days ago. I'm not sure if it was by Facebook or by Amazon, but it was a a heavy-hitting company that I thought um, it came out of. I'm not yeah. sure, though. 
Yeah, I'm not sure either, but it's it's new and people are paying attention to it. So go go get them. Well, it was new a month ago anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> Time flies. Yeah. So uh, who's talking to us, Richard? We grabbed a comment off of show 1214, the one we did with Scott back about a year ago, in, uh, November 2015, talking about testing and craftsmanship, which kicked off absolutely a huge number of comments mm. like over 50 60 lots and lots of conversation of course uh, scott right in there the whole time but i've got to grab one one that made me smile and this is from chris morgan who said i was listening to the show in the car with my wife and i could tell she was rolling her eyes at me as i was yelling out oh my god see this is exactly what i was telling you the other day <laughs> like a she doesn't remember and b she doesn't care yeah right (laughs) but uh, she's glad you're happy i am sure she appreciated scott's insights as much as i did (laughs) okay if you're sure okay (laughs) i've tried and failed so many times to get the shops i work for to practice tdd or any other kind of automated testing like you said scott it's an uphill battle and a seemingly unwinnable war that i am often the only one on the team fighting and I don't necessarily want to conjoin TDD and automated testing either, because TDD in my mind is a way of approaching coding that helps you discover what's important mm. as well as building the tests. Where automated testing, irrespective of what development methodology you're doing, automated testing is useful. Yeah. Uh, you have to fight the developers. You have to fight the development managers and the product managers and the unrealistic fixed date and scope deadlines to win. And it wears you out. You either change your company or you change your company yep if the culture of the team and the business do not see the value and support tdd or any other good engineering practice i just don't see how this can work hmm. if most of them are a team of professional debuggerers yep. he only went with one and scott corrected him <laughs> you become one as well yeah and now i know what my job title really is <laughs> <laughs> don't give in man don't let the buggers wear you down don't let the bastards win yeah you could fight back but no you can't i tried <laughs> okay <laughs> abandon all hope <laughs> you know one of the arguments here and chris sees this is that this is a business decision too so you know bottom up combat on these kinds of topics is often futile it, it, whereas if you can get buy-in from the top and push it down, you have a better shot. It really comes down to insisting on uh, an intentional culture. You know, having that conversation about we value quality. Do we really value quality? How do we demonstrate that we value quality? You know, you have to press against those things. Yeah. Use that. The All of those corporate things you eye-rolled at, you can grab onto them to actually put in practices that make them come true. Right. And barring that, at least you have an awesome mug. Yes. So, Chris, a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. We debuggerize with them. Yeah. So, uh, let me introduce Scott. Scott Nimrod is fascinated with software craftsmanship. He's been practicing software development since 2003. Scott's a thriving entrepreneur, software consultant, and he blogs and YouTubes as well. He focuses on native application development and test automation. He was born and raised on the mean streets of Cleveland, Ohio, and currently resides in Miami Beach, Florida, where 
The weather sucks. Don't listen to him. <laughs> His blog can be found at bizmonger.wordpress.com. Welcome back, Scott. Oh, muchas gracias. Thank you. Thank you. Got a comment on the comment? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, cu- I'm curious what you guys think. But uh, what I was going to say or interject was that I, I just have reason to believe that People, I mean, it's still a young industry, right? And like, I think the majority of people that are involved in the software development ecosystem with, I mean, for lack of a better expression, they don't know what quality actually, how, how to actually put in quality. I don't think they, they, they understand that. Hell, sure. I mean, sometimes I don't understand it. And so what do they do? They, they create processes, right? And so, like, I think within, like, just mainstream software development, um, anything that has some type of leadership hierarchy, um, if you don't understand something, you just create a process. And, mm. and I think that's the main issue that I know I've been battling with. Yeah. Is that the, I think the majority of people that have their hands in a cookie jar, they don't understand the, the implementation details. They don't understand, like, how how software erodes or degrades over time and so like it's just it's not even an uphill battle man it's just a a a downhill like people with cannons shoot a downhill slide oh man something you just can't win so i quit oh man that sounds so defeatist (laughs) it's bleak that's very bleak i mean let's call john paul sarch see what he thinks because (laughs) <laughs> I yeah, I just don't see it as that bleak, but you know, it it does take certain skills to be able to persuade an organization up and down. But there's a variety of ways to get there. I mean, it doesn't have to only rely on your ability to persuade, rather than you know trying to convince an entire organization to manifest quality in a particular way. Maybe it's just showing we need some training, and you bring in. One of you know the Uncle Bobs of the world, the the ringer that can come in and is persuasive at the executive level mm. to be able to say yes, we have to manifest quality this way. It's a catch twenty two, isn't it? Because you have to show results to get people on board, and you can't show results unless you're given a chance to 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 do the work in the right way. So it's almost like you need to bring a team in. And say, yep. hey, watch these guys work. They'll work on, on, you know, features X, Y, Z. We'll work on ABC and we'll see who does a better job. And that is set up for chaos because as soon as you bring an external team in, there's going to be jealousy, deceit, and like it's, that's, that's, you're bringing sure. in home records, right? But I'm not going to talk anymore about it because I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> you're absolutely right if you were bringing people in for a long term. But if you bring in, you know, maybe there has to be the, uh, like a SWAT team that just goes around and we're going to, you know, spend two weeks. This team is only going to be here for two weeks. They're going to do this. They're going to show you how to, you know, use some of these processes or, uh, you know, techniques that development methodologies that work. And uh, and then they're going to go away. And it's up to us whether we want to model ourselves on what they did or not. I don't know. Could work. I, I don't see any other way, really. If, you, if you've got a um, management that won't give you the freedom to, to do it the right way. Well, I mean, that's the only way I could think of. Because what, what, what really happens is, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess the majority of people, they don't 
practice um, outside of work. So what 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 happens is they say, okay, they mandated, you know, we do TDD or whatever. And so this is their very first time mm. struggling with, with this technique and they completely butcher it, right? And or sabotage it. Oh, that's happened to me too. And yeah. so, and then they, they go ahead and instead of holding themselves accountable and saying, no, uh, I, I didn't actually take the time outside of work to, to, to practice and make my mistakes so that I could refine it, refine it so that when I'm, when I'm in the ring, I'm actually performing. No, I decided to do this on your time and waste your money. And mm. so I think your idea, Carl, is probably the best idea I've, I've heard where people can actually demonstrate it. And then, you know, it no longer comes from the people that quote unquote tried and they, and they blame, um, TDD because, well, obviously they must be masters even if they tried it the very first time and it yeah. didn't work for them. Yeah. I'm far more optimistic than you guys are. Oh, well. I've just done this enough times with enough different organizations where there are many ways to get to, to result. You just have to learn what's important inside of that given organization, push the right buttons. Mm. Sometimes it's the money. Sometimes it's the prestige. Sometimes the cost of failure. You know, you've got to figure out what actually matters to the decision makers in your organization and press the right button. Look, Greg Leonardo, he's one of my mentors. He's probably not proud of me saying that. Um, he's over in Tampa. He told me, Scott, the more money you make, the more of a politician you have to be. And I think that's the absolute truth, especially based on what we're talking about in regards to uh, influencing or persuading, whatever term you want to choose. Yeah. True. Yeah, true. All right. Shall we jump into uh, uh, mobile development with uh, functional programming? Yeah. First of all, functional programming, that's a hurdle for most object-oriented developers. Uh, you know, I, I guess what we need to know is, you know, why? And uh, if we are convinced why, how? <laughs> and then if we know how, when? <laughs> My response is you're asking the wrong person, but I can share with you uh, what I've been doing. Okay, uh, I'm not I'm not the technical authority on this at all, but I don't think that should stop me from sharing what I found. Mm -mm. Uh, in one of your questions, you said why? Okay, well, I was doing a co contract in a small little town that I wasn't happy being in, so I decided to make the best use of my time and learn functional programming. Um, so. I picked up an F-sharp book, and I think I picked up like three or four of them, and I just started tinkering around. I even bought a Lego Mindstorm, and I started making my F-sharp code talk to a Lego Mindstorm. Wow. And then after time, I decided to take an opportunity based on some requirements that I had received for a potential contract. And I said, yo, I don't care if I get this contract or not. I got the wireframes. I'm going to build this application and I'm going to use F sharp. Okay. And, uh, regardless, you know what I mean? This is going to go down on my, uh, resume. Right. And so it's worth that's, it. That's just, yeah, that's just what I did. And so there, there's some interesting things that I found and I, uh, it wasn't completely in F sharp. Um, I, I, I did leave the, the client. Android side and, and C sharp, mm -hmm. but, um, I still create view models for everything regardless, yeah. but everything else in regards to business logic, um, and interaction logic, uh, all that's enough sharp. So now were you using a uh, Xamarin tools? I was using visual studio, okay. which 
surprised me because as much research that I did, I didn't think Visual Studio was was ready yet um, to, to to entertain uh, Xamarin and, and F Sharp development, but it it worked. But I mean, there was worked. a little bit of a ceremony I had to perform, hmm. um, specifically adding in a. I had to literally add in the the file path to the F Sharp core DLL um, within my my client library, and then reference that. But besides that, I mean, yo, I, I get all the goodies of Visual Studio, all the shortcuts that that make me fast. Like, I still have it. I don't want to re I don't want to relearn another IDE. I yeah. mean, I'm not trying to like uh, play Xamarin Studio, but I'm in love with Visual Studio. I've learned and memorized a lot, so mm. I don't want to go back. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to understand the relationship between the language F sharp and then Mono and uh native Android and where it fits in the stack. Um where is the F sharp implementation? Is it a is it a uh, pure IL generated thing and then the yep. IL gets converted to Android natively? How does that work? I don't know all the details, but essentially, uh, I mean, it's uh, my understanding, right? Please correct me. Is your F sharp, your your VB .NET, and your C sharp, they all distill down to Missile or Microsoft Intermediate Language. Yeah. And so, but right, and I say, but the tooling isn't all there like it is for C sharp. Um, so, for example. I've, I, I'm all about like, uh, I don't know, static analysis. So, you know, the first thing I want to do is I want to see what code map looks like, you know, when I have C sharp libraries within my solution, but, you know, code map isn't supported. Mm. Um, then I wanted to see, yo, what does my code coverage look like when I, when I use, um, F sharp? And there appears to be an anomaly. Um, and I posted it on Stack Overflow where your system dot objects such as I think it's like get hash map and yeah. two string and whatever yep. other methods that belong to system dot object. Um, they, they show up as code that's, that has not been executed yet when you're, when you're writing F sharp code and you do uh, code coverage. Hmm. So there's, there's some, I don't know, small issues. If you're, if you're a hardcore static analysis type of developer. I got to think you, presuming your previous show, you went at this from a test-driven perspective, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, there's a couple of things I experimented with. Um, so this consultant firm was like, hey, Scott, you know, how long do you think this, uh, this project is going to take you? And so I did something that I never really saw before, but I just was curious how it would work out. And so, you know, I already had the, the wireframes for, for this project. And so I took the wireframes and I translated it to, to unit tests, right? Hmm. Um, basically all the buttons would translate to commands on a view model that I would need to test. And, um, and also all the data to be populated, um, that would come from some data source. Well, I translated that to unit tests as well. And so what I did was I had, I had generated approximately 88 um, unit tests that, that map to the wireframes that I received. And I sent it back to the consulting firm and said, Hey, uh, show your client the, the, the various test scenarios that, um, I have observed and let me know if I missed anything. 
Um, and, and so, yeah, I did TDD right, right from the wireframe and I used it as a way to provide, uh, an estimate of how much time it would take. And from there, um, I had essentially stamped out my domain logic. Um, I wasn't concerned about the, the actual UI. Mm-hmm. Um, some integration details I had also, um, TDD, such as uh, events uh, for requesting uh, navigation to various pages, uh, basically just messages. Yeah, I did that. So once I had my domain logic stamped out, um, I even took advantage of, I think his name is Scott Vlashin's Railway-Oriented Programming. Railway or Railroad? I want to say Railway-Oriented Programming, which is used for validation. Um, I even put that in there. And so, yeah. I have everything is in F sharp except my Android client. And what um what kind of app is it that lent itself to functional programming? Yeah. So I wanted to destroy that whole belief system. Um what whole belief system? Well, the belief system that functional programming or specifically F sharp is a great language for, um, I don't know, statistics or financial accounting, wh- whatever they say, um, that it lends itself towards research, academia, etc. And so, no, nah, it's, I- I'm sure that it's great for that, but honestly, it's not even a, a pure functional language, right? I, th- I think the-, the term that I hear most common is it's functional first. Yeah. Uh, which means that you're encouraged to write functional code, but it also provides support for, for OOP or object oriented programming design. Right. Um, and so, yeah, there's extension methods that I've researched, but I haven't really, um, uh, implemented before. And I think it actually goes to extension properties too. I'm not sure. So don't quote me on that, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of OOP support in here. And what I've, I guess, Maybe I could go into that. Um, when, when I can't speak for like, you know, what the technical authorities would, would say on building a, a CRUD application and, mm. and where to go functional and where not to. Yeah. But something that I have observed is, um, taking advantage of the, the type system in F sharp. So for example, yeah. you could kind of do this in C sharp and I did a YouTube video on it. But for example, um, a phone number is not an int, right? It's mm. a phone number, yeah. right? Someone's name, first name, last name, well, those aren't strings. It's first name and last name. Mm. So you have an opportunity to take advantage of the compiler and to really like constrain or enforce uh, the, the type system that it provides. And so... Uh, I think with enough sharp, we call this discriminated unions. And so. So, what I think I hear you saying is that while F sharp is good for traversing large amounts of data, good for financial applications, that kind of thing, it's not just for that. In features like the type providers and the typing system that you're talking about and uh, immutability, that kind of thing lends itself towards just good programming in general. Yeah, yeah. I've from what I've observed, it's you you can still solve problems, right? And then these problems do not have to be like heavy math algorithmic problems. Um so 
for example, the, the use of discriminated unions uh, to represent a distinct number of choices mm-hmm. um, or a constrained number of choices. You know, you may use uh, discriminated unions for that. Um, you also have the, the option type, right? And so this is where, this is what I use when I am invoking a, a method on a interface within my repository or that represents a repository. Um, when, when I, when I request data in which my repository will ultimately return some type of response, either I am going to get data back or I'm not going to get anything. And that not get anything does not mean null. It means none. I don't have anything to return you. And so, um, yeah, from, from the work that I've been doing, the, the, the system.null or whatever null, whatever, um, it, it doesn't exist, which is huge. Um, at least for me, nobody misses nulls. That's the truth. Everybody's fine without nulls. Nulls are, I think the guy who came up with it decided it was a mistake later, just couldn't take it away again. Hmm. Yeah. But if you're going to use F-sharp as a general purpose language, then you have to do general purpose things, ugly things like validation, you know, dealing with, especially on a mobile app, disconnects, like, so, you know, what are the functional ways to deal with that kind of plumbing work? Well, who says it has to be functional? F-sharp is functional first. Right. So, for example, um, with the... A view model, right? Well, and when I say view model, I don't mean that it has to implement I notify property changed. I mean, it's just a mediator from, yeah. uh, that, that sits between my, my presentation, um, aka my, my pages and then the actual domain logic, right? Or my model. And so my view model, it's implemented as a class, right? My repositories, those are implemented as classes because they're stateful. And so, again, with F-sharp, functional first, you you have all the goodies, right, of of C-sharp or or any object-oriented programming language. And then you have even more support, right? And so, the advantages of leveraging the defaults, right, Uh, immutability, etc., like, it's awesome. And, and you can still implement, you know, a normal application just like people are implementing every day. Um, and you can use F sharp to do it. And you will ultimately, um, based on my personal experience with this first application that I've, I've implemented, um, in F sharp, um, you do it faster and with less code. Now I say less code. There's, I, I haven't been able to actually uh, measure that. So something else that I mentioned, I mentioned earlier, uh, code map, the code map feature that Visual Studio provides, code coverage, but also code metrics. I wasn't able to basically hit the analyze menu, code metrics, and and actually pull in the number of lines of code that, that made up my solution. Interesting. Or, nor could I observe the maintain, maintainability um, or cyclomatic complexity and all those other um, uh, data points that it provides. Things that you normally use when you're coding in C-sharp to just give a sense that you're writing good code? Things that most people should be doing when writing C-sharp. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
But I'm presuming you do do them because, you know, you're well behaved. Well, that that was something that um, that's just part of my workflow. Um, but it as of now, right, whatever today is, 10, 14, 2016, yep. I did not observe that support. Mm. So Visual Studio team. <laughs> right. So the support wasn't there and you missed it. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Uh, must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to provide some extra protection for senior developers in the form of Depends injection. Oh, uh, no. No, stop. What? Make the bad man what? stop. Yeah. Come on now. That's funny. I don't well, care admittedly, they are. are only for leakage. Did <laughs> <laughs> I say that? That's not right. You have a memory leak. You need some Depends, <laughs> depends <laughs> injection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Richard Camel, make my funny joke funnier. <laughs> it's actually time to give away a music to code by complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Music to code by is a set of 25-minute Pomodoro-sized, quiet, and groovy instrumentals scientifically designed to promote focus. They'll get you into a state of flow and keep you there. And .NET Rocks fans are being more productive every day with Music to Code By. And now you can download the entire 13-track collection for only 39 bucks. See what all the fuss is about. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Nathan Clark. Congratulations, Nathan. Golf clap for you, sir. Yeah. Golf clap for Nathan. Just won the entire collection of Music to Code By music. That's like three hours of nonstop productivity man mm -hmm. that's great although i gotta tell you there are certain tracks that i just play over and over again because it immediately throws me into flow now like it's just so quick it's like your brain is now trained that as oh. soon as you hear that you focus i'd be interested to hear which ones those are <sighs> you don't have to tell me now. i think it's the first one yeah yeah the first one was pretty good just because i've heard it the most yeah and so, you know, my reflex now is just to reach for, for MTCB and go play. And as soon as you hear the first track, you're in flow. And I just literally don't hear the music after that. Yep. Yeah, I've always said it's interesting that a, as a musician, my most successful music project is one in which it works best when people aren't listening. Well, I don't listen to it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I never listen to it when I listen to it. <laughs> Uh, and, as, and the more I listen to it, the less I hear it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't know what we are doing here, go to .NET Rocks. And believe me, we don't either. Go to .NET Rocks .com, Click on the big Get Free Stuff button. Answer a few questions and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, but you got to sign up to win. It's coming up. It's coming up. Yeah. And uh, we like to ask our guests too, of course, Scott, if you had five grand to spend on technology today, you know, and besides flood insurance. <laughs> you can't get flood insurance for disintegrating land. Can you get sinkhole insurance? How's sinkhole insurance in Florida? What would you buy, man? Uh Hey, I just bought a, well, I got it like maybe six months ago. I got this. What you guys know about this Can-Am Spider? Can-Am Spider? The, the bike? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. I got, I got this Can-Am Spider and uh, I wanted to go faster. I got it up to like 120 miles an hour 
It's like a three wheel motorcycle. It looks like a Batmobile. I got the triple black one. Right. Uh, the two wheels are in front. Yes. Um, so you look ridiculous, is what you're really saying. <laughs> uh, yo, people like it down here. Okay. Um, yeah. Like it's it. Florida. That all makes sense to me, really. <laughs> I feel like Bruce Wayne. I feel like Bruce Wayne. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Wayne on his way to retirement. Just give me the three wheeler. <laughs> yeah, because I have a near. I have a near collision every single day. Watch out for them (laughs) (laughs) Q-tips. Do people not see it? Because it's quite a bit bigger machine than a regular motorcycle. Um, Okay. So let me me remind you that um, Miami is a third world country that happens to be in United States of (laughs) America. (laughs) Uh, Yes. The plague that is the old man with hat in white Cadillac. Well, but you guys got Gloria Estefan, so that's not bad. (laughs) At least you can. Well, at least you got some good music. <sighs> so I there's there's a couple things. Okay, so I don't I never celebrate the holidays because of you know my religious upbringing, but now I got this canal. Oh, I want to be Batman for one night. And so <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I want to spend like maybe four grand on whatever alterations they can make to to give me another like 15 or 20 horsepower if it's possible and i'll take the the rest which i think is a thousand dollars whatever and i'll just get me a, a batman suit but i was six, just gonna seven. say you're gonna have to spend that on a cape i'm six seven though so like ah i don't know if they're going to do it i know Predator yeah, that, was there's a point where the cape becomes drapery right like that's <laughs> that's, right. that's just a you big know, big Yo, I'm Scott Nimrod. I don't even have a cape. I have a cloak. There you right? go. But look, I mean, the the, 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 the spider's already got a four-cylinder. You know, you should be able to leverage a Hayabusa motor into there. So, I don't know I if don't, you could do it for five grand, but it might be worth 10 to, to stuff a Hayabusa in the front of that thing, get up to about 200 horse. I mean, then we wouldn't have to interview anymore because you'd just be a quarter mile of strawberry jam, but it would uh, <laughs> it go like stink. Wow. Yeah, well, it has a trunk in there, so I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there could be modifications. Right mm. now, I'm at 1330 cc's, and I think it's 115 horsepower. I don't know. I haven't looked at specs in a while. So you've got it bored out. I don't even know what that means. Like, how did you get the bigger displacement engine? No, this is a 2016 special oh, okay. series. So this is the big motor. It's big mm. enough. Mm. It takes off. With yeah. me on it, when I when I when I put somebody on the back of it, then it doesn't really peel out like I like. Mm. Aww. So a Batman suit and uh, more power on my bike. All right. You know, just a Batman helmet. You know, just the, the ears and the face piece. Like, nah. I want the smoke bombs. I want all the accessories that Batman has. There you go. You know, uh. it is a TV show, right? Like, <laughs> it, none of those things actually work. <laughs> don't ruin it don't ruin a good story with facts richard <laughs> yeah certainly not a popular thing in that year country in general florida doubly so yeah yeah well yeah that's probably good maybe i don't want to do that i don't want to get shot but nice all right so how did your experiment work out how did it go well so it's not completed right because well, what do i mean by it's not completed I didn't. I didn't polish the UI, um, which has nothing to do with F sharp because all that was in C sharp and AXML. Mm. But the I didn't implement 
the the actual repository. So I have within my repository library, I have interfaces to represent uh, different types of repositories, right? This is like a healthcare application. So I have a I claims repository. I have an I benefits repository. I have a I profile repository, etc. The test API um, I implemented as a library in F sharp. And that's where I have the implementations of those interfaces. And again, those are done in F sharp too. So F sharp, again, it's fully object oriented, right? And so mm. it supports abstract classes, interfaces, etc. Mm. Um, and so when I run my application, I run my, my application in, in complete isolation of external systems, which means that data is fed from my test API, the same data that is fed for my, that's fed into my, my unit test or for my unit test. And so when I launch the application, it, it, the various pages get populated from the test, test API library that I have. And I just run that in isolation. And then, uh, I guess in the future, I'll go ahead and, uh, figure out what, what these type providers are and, yeah. and, and do it the F sharp way. Well, I guess it is F sharp way because I never heard of type providers that aren't yeah. F sharp. They're only in F sharp. They're only in F sharp. But what about monads? Do you know what a monad is now that you programmed in F sharp? No, I can't. I think it has something to do with, um, interacting with the outside world. That's as, I and we wouldn't want to do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, I, I believe, right? I believe that monads are still focused on the functional um, right. paradigm. Yes. And, and I'm talking about within, for my view models and my repositories, I'm still doing OOP, right? I'm sure. still doing object oriented. And, and F sharp can stand up to that. So, you know, you, you don't have to completely switch over to this new way of thinking for everything. It'll do both. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm. I'm pretty happy. There's there's some things that that I observe now. I'm not sure if it's correct, right? The way I implemented things, but um, you know, uh, for example, there's still namespaces in F sharp, right? Um, and then there's there's also this notion of a module in F sharp, and and from my implementation of this CRUD application, I I use the I use a namespace to basically harbor. Um, my classes, right? Such as my view models and my repositories, the whole object oriented paradigm. Um, that's where I, I still leverage namespaces, but I leverage, uh, modules, uh, which is specific to F sharp for, you know, the various types that I declare and the, the actual functions, the pure functions that I, that I've implemented. Yeah. I like it. But where did you see functional actually show up in your app that you were happy with? Uh, when I attempted to exercise or, or maybe practice railway-oriented programming. Uh, so earlier... Um, yeah, you mentioned discussion. the railway-oriented ori programming. And I found yeah. the blog post and uh, you know the site is F-sharp for fun and profit, which is awesome. Yeah. And so basically that's where I use... I think that might be my only function. <laughs> uh, I, I think so, because everything else is pretty much um, just types that, that I've defined. Right. Because it's 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 really just an application that that is just consumption, meaning that there's there there's no uh, 
there's no data that gets pushed out. You know, yeah, okay. um, it's, 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 it's basically a user logs in and then they view their dashboard and they view some history, et cetera. And so um, essentially it's just my view models making a request to a repository. Repository returns an option type of whatever data, which is going to be none mm-hmm. or some. And then mm-hmm. I go ahead and I use pattern matching to pull out the data that's attached to that some type. Yeah. So you're just consuming data. Yep. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it too. It's, uh, hey, I'm trying to get a head start. I, sure. uh, I sincerely believe that, um, and I also have investment in it. So I guess I'm biased, but I sincerely believe that maybe not functional languages or next generation, but functional first. Right. And so I say that because, I think that, you know, I'll I, I say a lot of things that are wrong, right? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm an average person. Not a, hey, I'm, have I'm we not, met? I'm, because I've, been, <laughs> I've made a profession out of saying things that are wrong. <laughs> yeah, but you don't drive a Can-Am. That's true. I don't. Yeah. 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 But so something that, that's interesting to me when I did this exercise, because when, when you try out something that you've, you've never done before, that's a complete paradigm shift, mm. it kind of opens up visibility to other things, right? Sure, and so yeah. when, when, I was, when I was doing this, I'm like, hey, I think the way we teach programming and the, and the languages that we choose to be the, the default programming language to, to teach, I think that's all wrong, right? I, I think... Um, I think instead of your your JavaScript or your Java or your C Sharp or your C++, um, which I, I still think we're setting up, um, you know, new developers for failure because they're not aware. Well, because they have to be disciplined, right? Yeah. They have to be really disciplined. And that's great for, for developers that are disciplined, but the majority of people aren't. And that's, that's the truth. And so I think when you can take advantage of technology that provides defaults so that you don't have to be as concerned within this programming language as you would be, you know, another one. Um, I think that, yeah, I don't know that much about Scala, right? Um, my mm-hmm. understanding is programming language that runs on the JVM, right? But definitely F sharp. I think that we should start teaching software development using um, or even software design using functional first languages so that they can take advantage of, of, um, immutability by default, you right. know, so that they can take advantage of, um, in, in this case, uh, not having to, I would say, deal as much with null, the null, uh, exception. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not sure if that will ever take off, but, I think people should strongly consider, especially in these boot camps of, you know, considering a functional first to teach people. It's a trade-off, I think, don't you think, Scott? Because you want people to um, learn something that promotes good software development. Of course, that's the ultimate goal. But also being able to utilize libraries that already exist and understand um, how to get around the object-oriented world. Um, you know, perhaps the, the functional first thing is good if, as long as we also teach them, you know, the basics of OOP so that they, you know, because somebody's going to use a library that they can, let's just take 
Xamarin Forms, for example, right? All of the uh, libraries are all OOP. And the, the UI section is a PCL C-sharp that's all OOP. And so if uh, somebody doesn't understand that, they wouldn't be able to use that technology. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, okay. So uh, my things are starting to come out now. <laughs> Bring it so, on. I don't believe in, by default, just bringing in, like, you know, all these frameworks. Um, so, like, uh, SQLite, right? Mm. Uh, the, the, the properties that SQLite relies on, right, um, they have to have setters, right? So, yeah. by default, when, when I implement um, my classes, usually these classes are going to be static classes that only expose behavior. Yeah. Or they're going to just be, like, data, um, maybe data transfer objects, whatever you want to call it. And so um, I don't have any setters in those type of classes because I don't want to modify anything. But based on what you said, a lot of these frameworks, they just assume that, well, your properties are mutable. Yeah, and right. so you end up having to perform all these ceremonies and sacrifice llamas and donkeys and like maybe it's an opportunity for us to rethink how we write tools based on um, the defaults that these functional first languages slash functional languages bring in. So I just don't like performing all these ceremonies because I introduced some third-party framework. Well, but they exist, right? I mean, whether you like it or not, they exist and people learn them and people know them and people use them. Yeah, they, yeah, I, I guess, I guess, and you know way more than I do. You, ha you have way more years experience. I guess maybe, maybe it's something that is okay for the boundaries of, of a system, uh, such as like at the, the UI layer and maybe at, on, on the, on the back end. But I just don't want them like molesting my domain logic. I want to yeah. keep that as pure as possible. So. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. That's true. And you can go back and forth with, you know, OOP and F-sharp, C-sharp and F-sharp, even within the same project. And it's what I see yeah. a lot of people doing as a sort of hybrid approach. You can still, with F-sharp, import anything you want that you would do in, um, in C-sharp in regards to uh, leveraging uh, NuGet. Right. But, you know, here's the thing, like in, as I was saying, with Xamarin Forms, right? There's uh, a PCL layer that is pure C sharp. I'm not sure that that would even work in F sharp. It does because that's what I used. So you're you're doing your PCL part of Xamarin Forms in F sharp? Oh no, no, I'm not doing Xamarin Forms. This is uh, Xamarin Android. Yeah, Xamarin Android. I'm still using a PCL though. Oh, okay. It's interesting. I mean, so you are building both an iOS and an Android version of the app. Uh, well, I have the capability to do uh, an iOS client. Yes, right. But you've only been doing Android. Yeah, so far. And I've heard lots of folks say like they like working in Xamarin to do Android because it absorbs a lot of the platform variations just within the Android world alone. Mm. Yeah, uh, I don't know. This I love Visual Studio, and uh, <laughs> you just want to stay well, there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a. I don't want to change, and I, I I invested a lot of my time understanding the ins and outs of Visual Studio, and I probably only understand twenty percent of it. But like. I don't want to give that up just for something that's brand new that I don't, I, I'm just going to shut my mouth right there. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. No, no, but I, I get, you know, there's a power to the environment you work in and knowing it well, right? It's, mm. it, it's the tool set that you're comfortable with. And that's, 
that's worth a lot. I just impressed that you took on functional programming and mobile at the same time. Like that's a lot of complexity. Oh no, no, no. I started learn I I, pick, I started picking up F sharp this month last year when I was right. in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. When I was doing an assignment up there. And uh, you know, I would I would basically as soon as I as soon as I would leave work, I would go to a Starbucks, open up my laptop, and for about maybe two and a half hours just bang out, you know, and, and consume um some F sharp books. And then I would mm. basically harass people on uh well not really harass <laughs> them, but they, they act like I was a nuisance. They still act like I'm a nuisance on Stack Overflow. Um but yeah. yeah, it's yo, half of I got almost I have approximately 3,500 points on Stack Overflow. Don't tell anybody, but the majority of my points are from me asking questions. So huh. yeah. That's the best way to learn, isn't it? Yeah, I'll probably contribute half the questions on F Sharp that they have. As long as they're good questions, right? Then you're actually helping no, the community no. as a whole. <laughs> no, some people... Well, and, a, and a good question is not necessarily... You know, the, the only bad question I know of is one that's already answered. Right? So... So here's the thing. Uh, when uh, there, there are certain expectations that some of the members, if not most of the members, have of you. Yeah. They expect they expect you. And, and I don't blame them. It's just oh, I'm not a researcher. I'm, I'm a I'm a business app developer. I just want to get it done mm. and be thorough enough, right? But they, I have reason to believe that they expect you to like yo. Do your homework, bring up the specification, and and and, and drill into the area that, that's going to answer your question. But for anybody that's new to a language, right, um, new to a, a, a just a paradigm shift, right, um, sometimes you don't even know what you're asking, right? You, you want to express how you did it in some other paradigm, and then you're like, I don't even know how to ask this question. And so people deduct points on me when I ask a question on Stack Overflow. I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Right. Well. But there's people, I mean, you know, the, the more I ask, the more I learn. So there you um, go. Great. That's reason enough to ask. But it is. Scott, it's been great. The hour's flown by. And uh, man, congratulations on being a great advocate of learning and as you are and uh, just being awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. And um, hopefully uh, some other people can start digging into f sharp and see what all the buzz is about yeah that was my intent for coming on here definitely definitely all right and we'll see you next time on dotnet rocks .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a